Hi guys, welcome to season four, episode twenty-eight of Melon Girl Prom Podcast. And today we're gonna be talking about how black characters are often shown in media, whether that be um, shown as smart portrayed in film and TV, but colors and persist around skin tone. Portrayal of black women and girls in films are showing signs of progression with these characters are more likely to be depicted as leaders or working in STEM professions than white females, but issue of colorism still exists. And I think you know, with that study being shown that most likely uh, black women are seen to portray as leaders, are working in science and technology, engineering, or math professions, and they're more likely to be depicted as smart than white female characters or other female characters of color. I think also, while having black lead, leading ladies in popular film for the past decade have hairstyles consistent with European standards of beauty as opposed to black natural hairstyles. And I think in TV shows such as, you know, insecure black and ginger white people that challenge the white standard of beauty. You know, you can give this positive shift to giving black women experience higher um, anxiety about their hair than women of other races, ethnicities, and feel intense social pressure to straighten their hair. I think also to um avoid repeating those mistakes when making writing casting of the context they you know kind of encourage this trend to make clear more work needed to ensure that all women of all background have the same opportunities in on screen but one thing that's really you know fascinating because as a woman african-american woman a writer you know and you know you see a lot of times you know in any profession especially in writing there wasn't a lot of black authors that produced a lot of black characters and black uh books but now you do you see a lot of main characters be black people whether it be gay straight lesbian lgbq you see a lot of main characters that looked like me but before you know if there was a black character mentioned in a book they were either the side character or someone who always had sacrifice and you know when you're trying to look more into the professional career writing in a profession that you know how do I direct my personal faith is directly tied to the changes I am trying to campaign here you know I you're feeling this full weight of the moment that we are in it's like trying to present myself with a brand new campaign of the collective work that I do do in other you know female color and profession that they do as well you know I think as a black leader in the industry you have to feel qualified and compelled to share your perspective in this open forum. And I think you see a lot of that when white people can do in general to actually combat racism in America. Like lists like that are important that, you know, they're great for the circulation that do, you know, speak up for that voice in media and show the viewpoint of African Americans and how to combat racism. You know, even though it's taken a long time to get there, we're still not out of that, that headway where, you know, racism is not gone away, it's still present. You know, people who work in media and film, the image maker, the platform builders, the conversation managers, and storytellers, we contribute to the images, the messages, and the perspective that our culture circulates within society and culture. These images and messages that have tremendous power, they have the power to influence the thoughts and feelings and behavior of our collective society today and for generations to come. They have the power to make people see and recognize the humanity in others or the power to objectify and dehumanize others. They have the power to make people feel fearful of others or the power to make them feel safe. They have the power to make people feel beautiful or ugly, seen or unseen, accepted or ostracized, revered or relieved. They have people to celebrate our vulnerability, flaws, and imperfections or to lure us into false comfort and unable to pursue this perfectly created image, this beautifully crafted picture 
of lives and feeds and more importantly the words and images we create and choose to circulate creating powerful mental association that define how we perceive each other and how the world around us perceives us but why does that matter at this moment uh a famous quote by jim taylor phd wrote in psychology today perception acts as a lens through which we view reality our perceptions influence how we focus on process remember interpret understand synthesize decides about and act in reality in doing so our tendency is to assume that we have perceived reality is an accurate representation of what reality truly is perceptive affects whether you'll be deemed a good fit for a job or a pose or a threat to police perception affects whether you are kindly offered a mask or harassed and beaten for not wearing one perception affects whether you are offered water and medical attention after being handcuffed and left or left to die under someone's knee perception is a matter of life and death for black people officers police officers often shoot unarmed black men because they feel afraid yet calmly disescalate conflicts with fully armed white men because they know they pose a real threat people clench their purses or reach for their wallets when they see a group of young black boys walking towards them but relax into memory of what it seems to be young and carefree when a group of clean-cut white boys goof off bumping into them now these feelings are often real in both cases but the questions asked are why are you afraid why are you unafraid I think that's one moment when I had Wednesday firsthand. It was a few years ago when I was very quite young. Me and my grandmother kind of walked into TJ Maxx and we just, you know, casually browsing around. But my grandmother wanted to leave and I couldn't understand why. So we left and I asked her, Why did we leave out the store? And she said, Someone was following us. And, you know, he was following us around the entire TJ Maxx store. And I thought to myself, Well, why was this man following us? We weren't causing any problems we weren't stealing anything we we're just looking we rather just like everybody else but you know no employees came up to say that we were disturbing the peace we we're just looking around like a normal customer and you know this older white man we didn't know him followed around the store until we just left because my grandmother felt uncomfortable that he was following us and so we just left you know no, not creating a scene or anything but you know to have someone follow you around in a store to make you feel uncomfortable having to leave when you just window shopping you're not doing anything wrong and that one person just messed up have a just made me have a very awful experience and you know if looking back if I could I could have just told an employee that I felt uncomfortable that his nose falls I probably would have asked him to be escorted out of the store just to just to leave us alone but I didn't I think when it all comes down to perception our perceptions are formed based on combinations of our real life experiences and the images and stories we've been exposed to to fill in the rest if you had no real life personal experience with a black person whether that be at home in your friends or at work to draw upon then you were left with an image depicted in media and film and television and literature that you choose to consume conversely if you have real life personal experience with a diverse range of black people then it'll be effectively balanced or check any media image that contradict those experiences much has been written about media portrayal and fact that it has public attitude towards people of color about the historical racial stereotypes how these stereotypes were deliberately crafted and strategically used to reinforce white supremacy either by including or minimizing the contribution of people of color or by depicting them as violent dangerous civil-minded greedy untrustworthy or lazy now that could have been that moment where that man thought me and my grandmother were untrustworthy that's why he purposely purposely falls around the store until we left but we weren't doing anything wrong we just went up and just like everybody else in the store that came in that day but he chose to follow us because he deemed us or had that perception of us that we were untrustworthy. 
So this collection of dehumanized and identifying stereotypes and those that have been followed had dominated the mainstream culture records of the lives and characters of Black people for centuries. This is long, painful account of evil deeds and destruction that can be done to Black bodies with impurities when not fully seen as human. About 75% of white Americans report having social networks compromised entirely a white with no minority presence according to the PRRI American Body Studies. This lack of meaningful issues with people of color means that the image that gets circulated in media, TV, and films carries all the weight in developing the minority of white American perception of people of color. But those images are largely negative, demeaning, or one-dimensional because those people who are creating them are also drawn from a limited meaningful experience of people of color. A business cycle of stereotype fuel perception is created, consumed, and the cycle repeats itself once again. This is where the community comes in. People, people of color who are in advertising, marketing, communication, media, entertainment sector are responsible for creating and circulating the very image that either contributes to media or combating the perception that are conjured up in the minds of an officer during a split-second regulatory field-based moment uh, or in cold blood, dehumanizing a person who they for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. They influence whether someone lives or dies. And you gotta think, it wasn't for media portraying of that cop standing on George Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. Nothing would have been done about it. If the colors and race were, you know, flipped around, then that, that, those 8 minutes and 46 seconds, those 8 minutes and 46 seconds would never have existed in the first place. But, you know, it's kind of how media redeems it, people in media. So, what can the creative community, conduct producers, and leaders of agency do with this power? What do we have the responsibility to do? Work to learn, understand the history and legacy of systematic racism in America. Work to learn, understand the, historic, the history of radical stereotypes or in America, if you're responsible for creating and distributing content in America, this is important as mastering sketches, landing sponsorship, perfecting your editorial calendar, or mastering Premiere Pro. Examine how these images have evolved but are still hard at work in our society and culture, largely affecting how people of color are perceived today. Follow and amplify the voices of people of color in our industry. So you got designers, writers, technicians, strategists, and content creators, and thought leaders. They're out there. Be intentional about hiring and building diversity teams. Not only is it essential to open up an industry that overwhelmingly comprises of white people, which is a problem for all aforementioned reasons, but because having these voices and perspectives in the room lead to better and more, like, better ideas, works, and co-work culture, making a meaningful c- commitment to hire a diverse team. Adding a token black person to the team doesn't check the box. Calling in that one black person to your office to review a campaign the last minute after millions of dollars have been spent in meeting production have already been dealt with will not defend against this kind of narrative being per- prosecuted. When faced with the choice of speaking up, potentially risking their job or future mobility within the company, or even lightly Ejecting, then slowly receding out the conversation while bad ideas get furiously greenlined. So a solo black person may not have the financial luxuries of making that noble choice. When entire teams are meaningfully diverse, people of color feel supported and protected or are very well at least respected in their descent because they share a common experience of being marginalized or stereotyped. The burden of being soulless or solo to test the police creativity of representing the race is misguided to begin with, but it's also just too great to bear. 
Foster a culture where all employees feel safe and supportive for calling out racist jokes or requests whether made by the colleagues, superiors, or larger clients. Make it clear to your employee that their job is not on the line while being vocal about the insidious transgressions. On the contrary, publicly commend their actions as an example of your core values. Make it clear to your client that while they pay you to produce work, you won't compromise your values in order to be paid. Do the work to understand racially and culturally diverse audience. Spend the time and effort to question the context of the challenge in the order to communicate with them in ways that are meaningful relevant, affirming, respectful, and dignifying. Source stock imagery or produce original content that casts talent that reflects diversity of audience. Understand these images and narratives that need to be reflected in diversity within race, gender, and culture, not just diversity among race, gender, and culture. Diversify your sources of inspiration. As creators, we need inspiration. Examine whether you're looking for it or order magazine descriptions, coffee table books, artwork from your office that features and created by people of color. Seek out films and literature featuring Black actors, directors, and writers. Subscribe to podcasts published by communities different from your own on topics that fall outside of your own worldviews. This will give you access and intimacies to issues and perspectives that you might not currently have in your personal life experience. Diversify your source of knowledge. Invite speakers, thought leaders from a diversity of backgrounds to advise, offer guidance, and share the subject matter expertise with you and your team. Create a committee to action for departments within your organization and make them public. Now we got to think about how you can design this. How, where, and what imagery do you source? Whose cultural frame of reference are we designing from? Whose tastes, need, and problems are we solving for? Then you have the story. What stories are we telling from whose point of view? Strategy. What assumptions are we making about our audience? Do we know their true pain points? How we sought their direct input in production? Who are we casting to act, write, and direct? How are our requirements for these roles serving to dismantle or persecute negative racial stereotypes? Executives. How is race factoring into what we are hiring, firing, recognizing, promoting? Are we creating a culture that values independent thinkers or encouraging people to speak up against racism and racial stereotypes and expect our work to reflect racial diversity? I want to be clear. This is not about pushing a shiny, highly curated narrative of a Cosby show is black essentialism. Although after centuries of destructive imagery circling in media and culture being perceived as fact, I do believe we have to overcorrect. Being narrow in anyone's depiction would also defeat the point. This is also about getting to know the depths and beauty and dimension and ranges of Black people. There are numerous content creators and curators doing beautiful, important work to combat negative or one-dimensional stereotypes and to bring full forth the humanity of people and community of color. It's important to recognize that these sources are large creative communities of color by people of color as means to promote healing pride and self-worth not an attempt to gain the approval of white gays but black people have long resorted to looking inwards for solutions for their own racial trauma and any other exception would be foolish at this point regardless of their intended audience these are just a few examples of imageries and narrative and resources that are lacking in the general circulation but as a black woman i realize that deeply knowing the fullness of humanity of black people is a gift that i've taken for granted and I think, you know, I immediately understand that the way as Jane Baldwin describes, when dark faces open, the light seems to go anywhere. 
I have experienced the soul-healing power of our laughter. I have been energized and empowered by the gift of our quick wit, fierce truth, and timely sarcasm, using both as a release, battle, and tool. I know that it's how to feel it to be deeply held in a embrace that lingers and sways back and forth, back and forth. I have been shrouded and uplifted in the course of affirmation. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that's right. Yes, indeed. I've been sharing my pains or testimonies, you know, within my friend circle or in like a close safe space in a you know classroom with a professor or when sharing you know the complexity of black fathers uncles and brothers black men who are as street as they are strategic brilliant thinkers and, po- and poetic speakers who have beautiful ideas often multitude in their minds and threaten to consume them for lack of resources or access to the infractions through which they can be realized i experienced the in-depth of um my grandfather's voice how our family gathers around him when you know, whether it be my uncle's stories, we've broken or shaken our house, stabilizing his prayers or lectures, pierced us back through and made us feel whole. Same thing with my grandmothers and my aunts and uncles, I'm sharing them many stories with as a kid. You know, I've known the gentleness and strength, which, you know, my grandmother has helped raise me and my cousins and, you know, other grandchildren. I know the far off stairs in my grandma's eyes, recounting her memories, the horrors, you know, of you know, experiencing racism or not experiencing them or like how she grew up. The formative experience of when, when witnessing a lynching and leaving, you know, many people experience that in their life and leaving everything behind, you know, find a better life for her and her children. I know the love and respect they display in their marriages, the dutiful disciplines, candid with which they created shopping lists, paid bills and planned meals. Uh, I witnessed the gentle, you know, intimacy between my aunts and uncles, which they spoke to each other. I have known the unconditional love and generosity of my grandmother's spirit and how it remains at like an unlocked door to open whoever needs shelter, regardless of whether they deserve it. I have revealed in some soothing comfort of my aunt's intelligent energy, you know, um... I read collections of black literature like Toni Morrison, James Baldwin, Nikki uh, Gawa, uh, Langston Hughes, Zoe Neal Hurston, and Maya Angelou adoring her Victorian home. I known the pride and joy of people at church on Sunday, um, oiled scalp pleats, press and dress in their best, a congregation and community recharged their weary souls together before starting another long, brutal week. I know the silliness and black boy joy of my brothers telling jokes and reciting, you know, when they see me on FaceTime and their laughter exchanges, you know, them always talking over one another or experiencing, you know, anyone who has siblings, the fierce protection of any of the younger siblings or my daily concern for safety as a grown black men. Um, you know, hopefully they won't be persecuted as they're walking down the street or even driving the car. I have also been unconfused by the wide range of talent, interests, you know, and beautiful singing voices to the collection of Andrew Lloyd Webber followed by Room DMC in the same afternoon in 1989. These personal lives experiences have served an important counterweight to the one-dimensional stereotype that this country seems to protrude so consistently. These lives experienced as a Black person among Black people allow me to see the full humanity of a man going on for a jog or one begging for his life. My hope for this community of creator is that by recognizing the connection between our works and the culture structure that impacts black lives, by acknowledging the complicity and overall our industry has played for century in dehumanizing of black people, we can hold each other accountable to creating circling imagery and narrative that aims to reflect and restore the full range of black humanity within society and culture. With our full humanity is widely reflected and personally known 
perceptive shifts, split-second decisions that we are once driven by fear can be overridden by empathy. Policies designed to oppress can be redesigned to uplift talented and contribute in deems not personal well, but can assume their rightful place and essential treasure. Black lives can begin to matter. It is now the responsibility of Black people to lead and do this work. Despite centuries of crushing dehumanization and structural oppression, racial violence, and trauma, Black people have mustered up resilience and self-worth to keep showing up with our individual talents and genuine hard work and humanity in full view of the world to see. It's about time everyone else tunes in to share it out. So let's get to work. Thank you for tuning in to Season 4 of Episode 28's podcast. I will be saying there will be two more episodes um last episode episode 30 last episode of season four and i'll be taking a break before i start up season five but thank you for tuning in to this journey thank you for sticking around for four seasons and i can't wait to write many more podcasts for y'all in the near future but until then see y'all real soon bye